Hello again, everyone. This is the Least Combo Podcast for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario, oakridgeford.com. It is Sunday, January 10th, 2021, the day after the Bills win their first playoff game in a quarter century, beating the Colts. Hallelujah. Norman London, Mike in Buffalo. Mr. A, uh, congratulations on your Bills winning the playoff contest and potentially moving on to a Super Bowl. That would be great. And mm. hey, the blue and white game has come and gone and fan divisions are already spawned. Well, good morning, Norm. First, uh, just a quick thing on the Bills. Like I said, uh, well, before we started recording, the last time the Bills won a playoff game, I was working at a movie theater as a manager and uh, I didn't own a computer. So that's how long ago it was. And it's just, it, it, you know, of course, they couldn't win easily. Mm-hmm. They had to no. win in, in heart attack, you know, nitroglycerin, Jack Daniels drinking fashion. So it's, isn't that it's, good enough, Mike? Isn't no. that good? Enough? Especially for, what the team hasn't no. been anywhere in 25 years. It finally gets there. Scrapes and claws by any means necessary is moving on. And you're still not satisfied. You sound like a Leaf fan. Well, no. It's, okay, here, here, Lee fans. If you get to the if you get to the Stanley Cup final, do you want a four game sweep over whoever you're playing, or do you want to go to Game Seven and double over? <laughs> I want a four game sweep. I'm sorry. I, I want a no doubter. But anyway, you're never gonna get what you want, Michael. And when you were a manager at the cinema, what was featured when Harry met Sally? <laughs> Aliens. Um, well, singing we, in the rain, the, the, my most hated movie was we had the lion King and we had teenage mutant Ninja turtles because they were like an hour and a half long and kids came and it was messy and it was constant. So it was like, and we had them for six months. So just imagine six months of torture. That's what it was like. Onto the blue and white game. Some mm-hmm. nice performances from players. We expected it from and from players uh, we're not surprised to see do well, but are encouraged to see do well. It's one game, but it gives us a bit of a taste, wetting our palate for what's to come. Yeah, I mean, William Nealander scored a couple goals. I thought there were some good individual performances. Uh, again, you know, not to be too overly uh, pessimistic, but um, this team has always had trouble in shootouts. And yesterday, like when they did shootouts, um, nobody was scoring. I mean, it was always the the first round. I think Miko Lettinen was the first guy to score a goal. And I think uh, it was either Matthews or Tavares that scored in the, in the next one. It's like, that's something that, especially in a North division where it's always four point games and games against teams that you're in a race for a playoff, you have to, score on the shoot in the shootout and win those shootout games. But I think it was, I thought there were some good individual performances. Uh, although if you ask Sheldon Keith after, after the, uh, the scrimmage, he, he has turned back to the Sheldon Keith, uh, the tough taskmaster of the Marlies, uh, where I think he was more sort of happy go lucky last year after, you know, Babcock was basically a drill sergeant. I think he was trying to, you know, reach the mm-hmm. reach these players. But now I think he's being more demanding, and he really wasn't effusive in his praise of anyone other than the core guys like Matthews and Marner yesterday. But I thought there were some good individual performances. Does he need to praise them right now? I mean, what is there to praise? Do these players, professionals, millionaires need a pat on the back every time? They do something decent. This is a, a grind. 
a long grind in a unique season to come. Let's be encouraged, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there are players, coaches, and there are taskmasters. Mm-hmm. And I think la- last year, maybe out of character, he was being more of a players coach because he was following somebody who was a definite taskmaster in Babcock. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe now after you know after a year, he's going back to to where he's more comfortable. I don't think he's a he's a mean guy yeah. or or somebody who's going to slam them all the time. But I do think that you know the way he motivates is by saying you know okay you can do better and forces his players to do better but uh, like I said I mean um, you can't really learn a lot from these scrimmages we saw Thornton with Matthews and Marlowe I don't think we're going to really know how effective that grouping is until the regular season we see a few games I don't know how long it's going to last that's the thing mm-hmm. I, I, Maybe nice, you know, and maybe something that they had to agree to when they signed Thornton to a contract. But if it doesn't work over, you know, a couple of weeks, then they probably resort to bring Zach Hyman back onto the uh, top now, line. Now, that's pessimism. The idea that Joe Thornton would expect to get a shot with these top players when his press availability at the time he had mentioned that he would do basically whatever the team had asked them to do. I think, I I think this was an idea generated by Keith and Dubas. Let's just see what's going on. And if it works for a, a few shifts, few games in the beginning, and then there's a change. Great. They could come mm-hmm. back together again. The idea though, that, you know, this fatalistic approach to Thornton's tenure in Toronto being uh, all or nothing uh, I, I, you know, I, it's it's sexy because you know it does it do well or does it blow up? I feel like he's just going to be along for the ride uh, for as long as his body can can hang in there, and let's hope it's a full season. Well, I think the plan, at least based on what they've done in training camp and the line combinations that they put together, is to sort of spread out the offense rather than, you know, I mean, they have two lines, one centered by John Tavares, one centered by Austin Matthews, top picks in the drafts, you know, franchise level centers. Uh, But last year it was basically a two line offense. And then your third line was essentially, um, you know, a checking line or sort of a mixed bag. And then fourth line was a fourth line this year. I mean, you have Jimmy VC on the second line with Tavares and Nylander instead of Hyman. You have uh, you know Thornton on the left side with uh, Marner and Matthews. You're, you've improved your third line with the addition of uh, Hyman on the right side with McKayev and Kerfoot, although Kerfoot didn't play yesterday. They played uh, mm-hmm. Pierre Engvall. And then pr- presumably the fourth line is Barabanov, Spezza, and Wayne Simmons. So it looks like they've sort of tried to spread out, you know, putting VC with the second line, putting Thornton with the first line, try to spread out the talent and not have it be an easy task for teams to shut down one line and be able to shut down the team. But as you remember, Norm, last year in the playoffs, they had to resort to putting Tavares, Matthews, and Marner all together on one line because it, they weren't scoring. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that, that was in the end the, the detriment of their, of their playoff chances. But you're expecting this team to be reconfigured any which way to produce, considering it has so much talent from top to bottom. And we may indeed see that Blitzkrieg again, uh, if it gets the job done, great. If it doesn't, then you have to wonder what else is uh, causing issue for this team to perform at the highest level. 
This is the Leafs combo for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. OakRidgeFord.com. 2021 F-150 is on the ground. 2.9% interest rate through 72 financing. 2.9% interest rate. 48 months up to on lease. You know, if you just have somebody come and see me at Oak Ridge Ford and they do end up purchasing a car, that's $100 for you and a $50 gift card in addition to that. Just for uttering three words, go see Norm. Um, or you can say, Norm, go F yourself. <laughs> that's, that's, I've heard that. I've heard he hears that, that every day. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a few times and I don't have to leave the house to hear it. <laughs> uh, Miko Lettinen with a couple of nice helpers on William Nylander's goals. I think the, the focus will continue to be on the defense, Mike. And we know that this team has puck movers, guys who can score on the blue line. We're always mm-hmm. going to want more grit, more edge, more toughness. Uh, you know, uh, that stalwart type player back there. He may be developing right before our eyes. I mean, th- this is the situation with Latin and it, like with Mikheyev, uh, you know, the Leafs mm-hmm. are, are plucking K- uh, KHL free agents. Not to say that these guys should be playing great right from the word go, because there's always an adjustment for European players to the smaller ice surface in North America. But he's 25 or 26 years old. I think he just turned 26. He's 26 years old. He should be somebody like Alexander Barabanov Mm -hmm. who comes in and makes an impression to give an indication of what kind of player he's going to be almost right away. And we saw some of that yesterday. He's, he, you know, he's a veteran of the, of the KHL and the SM Liga in Finland. Um, he's, you know, he won the, uh, the Norris trophy equivalent in the KHL last season. He's offensively gifted. He's going to be quarterbacking the second power play for the Leafs. Um, you know, the expectations for him are high, but it's not, the weight isn't all on Miko Lettinen to be like a top pairing or a second pairing guy. He's right now projected to be on the third pairing with Zach Bogosian. Sure. And we, and we could see, and I, I think we're going to have to get used to this throughout the season. They're going to use the entire roster. They're going to use that taxi squad. They're going to call people up and down. You're going to see Travis Dermott in there. I'm not so sure if you're going to see Rasmus Sandin because now that the it appears the AHL is going to play, I, I would think that uh, Rasmus Sandin and Loya Grin and all the guys who are waiver-exempt and who, want, who need to play more mm-hmm. are going to play with the Marlies and not sit idly by on the taxi squad. This is the Leafs combo for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. OakRidgeFord.com. Irish in community. Do you see Lettinen when he gets more comfortable in the NHL, perhaps this season, switching to the right side and moving up and playing with Muzzin in that top four? I don't because I think that the Leafs like Muzzin and, and Justin Hall mm-hmm. as a shutdown pair. It's got size. It's a left-right combo. They played well last year, so I think they're going to stick with that, and I think they're going to stick with uh, TJ Brody. Uh, along with Riley, I think the the mix master is going to be that bottom pairing. You know, I don't know if Bogosian is going to play 56 games. He was sort of on spot duty with the Sabers and a little more with Tampa, but it was a playoff situation. So I, I think that you'll see Dermot mixed in there a lot. Uh, so I think that bottom pairing, as it has been in, in other seasons when Babcock did it, the bottom pairing was always a rotation for like the first half of the year until he decided who he liked, and then it was. Uh, the same guys every night. Any other takeaways from that blue and white game? Uh, well, I mean, it's funny because I thought Pierre Engvall played well. And uh, then, like I said, after the game, uh, uh, Sheldon Keefe was not uh, exactly 
you know, he was more demanding. Well, it was, it was a nice goal, but, uh, you know, I expect more out of him. And again, that, that might be, that may be Keefe's way of pushing buttons to get more out of, uh, you know, Engvall's a big player. I think they want him to play big. Uh, I think he does play big more than Freddie the Goat did, um, but I still think they want him to use his size because he's he's big, he's lanky. He's not a particularly tough guy, but if he can just – he uses his reach, and he, if he can be a little more physical, I think that he'll be a much more effective player. But it was the first look at, uh, at Barabanov. I thought, you know, I could see why the Leafs – uh, really went after him. He's not big, but he goes in the corners. He 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 works the boards well. He gets the puck. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see that combination of him and Spezza and Simmons on the on the fourth line. And I, I, the the first power play. I, I want to see again how long these units last. We see Keith breaking up that top power play from last year, where it was all the eggs in one basket with Neander Tavares. Matthews and Marner and then first Riley and then Barry on the point. Mm -hmm. Now, now they're now it's, you know, Matthews and Marner with Simmons and Thornton on the top power play. And that you can see the mix there where they're going to have Simmons in front of the net, you know, causing a a disturbance and then Thornton setting up either Matthews and Marner with his, with his passing ability uh, with Riley on the point. And then the second unit with Lettinen on the point is Tavares, Nylander, Hyman, and Spezza and I mean I think it's more balanced but I don't know whether you know when power plays are out there the Mm -hmm. first power play is usually out there for a minute and a half and the second power play gets 30 seconds I don't know how long it will last where you have these two power plays that are sort of equally distributed in talent you know um being together before before Keith goes back to putting all the eggs in one basket again Simmons out there this season to conjure up phrasing from the one and only Mike Babcock, the legend who is sitting in a basement somewhere now. Will the Leafs power play actually be their toughness? Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I the funny, the funny thing is I think the, the key and the goal of this team is to draw more penalties because last year their power play was very effective. I mean, we know that they made the switch to Barry in the second mm-hmm. half after Babcock. Uh, you know, Barry was the second uh, the second power play point guy, and he's a much more effective uh, power play point guy. Um, you know, I mean, deserving of a first power play. And apparently, Morgan Riley went to went to Keith and said, "Let him be the first power play guy." It, it may have been because Riley was dealing with injuries, but now that Barry's gone, gone, Riley is is a very effective power play point guy, and mm-hmm. he's going to get the the lion's share of the work. But the I, you know the problem is the Leafs may have drawn the least amount of penalties in the entire league, and they need to draw more penalties. And I think that comes from being a little Who's more feisty. Do that? And you know, Nazem Kadri was well, fantastic at doing that when he was a Maple Leaf. Right. Well, he continues to to play that kind of game elsewhere. Who who is going to be well, that I, guy? And is that that gritty uh, agitator kind of player who gets people pissed off and in turn draws penalties? Um, is that even the type of game the, the Maple Leafs? would consider playing well i think simmons will help but the question is how how many minutes will be on the ice i i also think that having players respected like spezza and thornton may sway referees in terms Mm. of you know giving the leaps more you know because you have you have to say this when Kadri was in Toronto and he was diving all the time, the re- the re- reflex of the of the referees was to not call anything because he was because he was diving all the time. But God love Nazem Kadri. I, I miss him. 
I he's local guy. Yeah, uh, but he's, he's a, a good player. He's a, he's a good player. He, things have still evolved. Is, still he, is. Absolutely, things have evolved. Uh, OG's Converse, thank you so much for all of your support. Mike and I are ramping up two podcasts per week. You can take that to the bank. Please like this post. Add your two cents below it. Subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 3,000 subs. It's been a little bit slow in terms of subscriptions. Most of our listeners have not subscribed, and that's okay. We appreciate you coming back. We'd love you to join us full-time. It would mean the world to Mike and I. Uh, we're in this thing uh, to win this thing, and I know the OGs and converts who've been here since day one feel the same way. The more the merrier, however. If you have something to say to Mike or myself and you want us to actually get at it and then uh, contribute that to the podcast, please do it through community. Mike, just a few more minutes, and then I'll let you get on with Thank your you. Sunday because, I mean, it's celebratory. The Bills won a playoff game, so, you know, B- Buffalo is, is alive and well and and ticking and churning but in three days time it'll be the Habs and the Leafs to kick off another season they traditionally do or we've seen them do this uh, in years past this is a unique season to come what are you expecting well first I think the thing we have to watch out for is the roster cut downs it'll be a little different this year I I, I have a feeling that there won't be as many waiver claims as as nor- there normally is but with teams out there with situations that they didn't expect, like New Jersey losing Corey Crawford to retirement, um, they're going to need a goaltender. And the Leafs waived Michael Hutchinson yesterday, and and they have three goalies with Aaron Dell as the third goalie. They could lose like three years ago where they, they lost Calvin Pickard and they lost Curtis McElhaney. Um, you know, you, you may think that's not a big deal. It, in a 56-game, in a, a small, compacted season, uh, if a goalie goes down, you're gonna that backup is going to play a lot of games. So the Leafs at least need three goaltenders, and you know you could see New Jersey maybe pluck somebody off a of waiver. So they may have to be forced to to keep three goalies on their roster to prevent that from happening. But once the roster is is cut down, and I think they're gonna cut down to under 23. I think they're probably gonna cut down to 21 or 20, and then just move players in and out from the from the taxi squad. Um, I think you're going to see essentially the lines that we've seen in training camp and um, this team sort of step up their, you know, I mean, the, the scrimmage yesterday was entertaining and interesting, but they're playing at three quarter speed and they're playing not to hurt mm-hmm. each other. So, you know, when you're kind of come up against Montreal and the, and the, uh, the, the collection of rats that that team has with, <laughs> with, uh, with 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 Corey Perry and 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 Brendan Gallagher, let's just say the Canadian Leaf fans hate the Habs because it's in their DNA. They will hate this team even more because of the way that they play. They're going to be heavy. They've improved. They added Edmondson. You know, Shea Weber is still a great defenseman. They have two good goalies in Price and 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 Jake Allen. You know, they they re-signed the Rat uh, Brendan Gallagher. They they bring in Corey Perry, who you know is a professional disturber of the highest order. Josh Anderson, if he's healthy, is going to be a pain in the ass to play against. And if these two young kids, uh, Suzuki and Kutkinyemi, who played really well in the playoffs, if they're for real, if that wasn't just a blip, I mean, Montreal is going to be a tough yep. foe. So it's going to be an interesting game. The Leafs versus Le Rat on Wednesday. Mike, thanks for everything you do. We'll catch your work at hockeybuzz.com and then catch you later in the week after the Leafs and Le Rat. Uh, hopefully it's a win for the blue and white.
Have a good one, and congrats to those Bills.